Is there discourse at the moment that's saying the circular economy is kind of an answer to all our environmental problems? To my eyes and ears, as I see and, and hear it being talked about, it does seem to be viewed as kind of an environmental panacea, that we don't need to worry about doing anything different in terms of how we live. We don't need to do anything different about our consumption choices, because when we're done with things, we will just recycle them or refurbish them, and they'll go back into the loop and keep going forever, and everything will be fine. I think the danger is, I don't think that's going to be true. I think actually the opposite is going to be true that these activities are actually going to make things significantly worse. This is Think Sustainability. I'm Jake Morecambe. While we continue to trash our oceans and terrestrial environments, many are scrounging around for ways to pull us out of our catastrophic waste crisis. One idea that appears to go beyond the individual concerted efforts and corporate responsibility, is something called the circular economy. And although first coined back in the late 60s, the idea has gained significant traction over the past decade for its potential to mend our toxic relationship with waste. The circular economy builds on what you might know as the reduce-reuse-recycle model, where instead of squashing waste into landfill or shipping it out to sea, it's repurposed into something else. Not just once, but over and over again, serving a range of different functions over a number of life cycles. And it's not just the garbage overflowing in your bin that could be repurposed. Your phone, for example, when it dies, could be pulled apart and the minerals that line it smelted down to then be used possibly, to make another phone. The idea of waste is completely reframed in the circular economy, where its function is just that, circular, rotating around and around the system to not only reduce how much we throw away, but how much we produce overall. Melissa Edwards from the University of Technology Sydney Business School says it's moving away from a cradle-to-grave way of thinking and towards a cradle-to-cradle approach. So cradle-to-cradle is saying the line of thinking is there's no grave, we're taking the grave out of it, so let's just go cradle-to-cradle. It's a circular thinking. While in theory the idea sounds like a green resolution to the growing byproducts of human existence, a circular economy universe, for the most part, remains a pipe dream an idea lost in the buzzwords and promise that a circular economic system favours the environment. Today on the show, you'll hear a conversation with Trevor Zink, Assistant Professor of Management from Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, unpacking how the circular economy could in fact see us produce even more waste and potentially cause greater social inequity. What initially gravitated us towards the concept of the circular economy? I think the reason the circular economy is so appealing is because the promise of the circular economy sounds so good. 
a lot of people, I think, at this point in time care about the natural world. But the last thing that people want is to be told that they have to do something differently in order to help the natural world. So the circular economy is so attractive, I think, precisely because it's meant to be invisible to the consumer so that we as consumers can go on buying, consuming, using as much as we want. We can have all of the new stuff, all of the new technology. And because of the magic of circularity, those choices suddenly won't have any negative impacts on species or habitats or weather patterns. It's, it's actually the latest iteration of a more general concept in industrial ecology called decoupling. And decoupling says that we can somehow separate consumption from impact, that we can make more efficient lighting and more efficient cars so that we can light our light more of our world and we can continue driving to work but not create any more impact. And that that's a that's an appealing idea if it works and I think that's why there's been so much buy-in uh, to the circular economy. I understand the circular economy idea in principle, but if we're actually framing it, is the transition to a circular economy a reshift in the economy itself, moving from, I guess, a market-based one to a circular one. Is that the best way for us to frame this? To my understanding, that's a bit more broad than I think how people are talking about the circular economy right now, or at least at least a bit more aspirational. The circular economy in practice, you know, if we get below the the hype and the marketing, the circular economy is really just reuse of three different levels of things in the economy. So on one level, we can reuse products, either because the product was made to be reused or by doing some slight repairs. And we call that set of circular economic activities reuse and repair. On the next level down, we're talking about the reuse of components of products for instance, if you have a an old smartphone and everything works about it except for the battery doesn't hold a charge or maybe the screen is cracked, taking that smartphone, replacing the faulty parts, and then putting it back into the economy. And we call that activity refurbishment. And then at the deepest level, it's about reusing materials that go into products. Uh, so taking that phone and melting it down for the glass, the aluminum, the gold, the tantalum, those sorts of things. And we call that set of activities recycling. So really all the recircular economy is, is reuse and repair, refurbishing and recycling. And how long can the promise of circularity last if we're looking at a particular product or a component that could be refurbished and go on to go as part of something else? How extensively can that component be refurbished until it deteriorates to a point where it's no longer usable? Uh, Well, it depends on the material, um, and it depends on the set of processes by which that material was collected. Uh, So certain metals, uh, steel and aluminum, uh, copper as well, can technically be recycled back into a product that's almost indistinguishable from the primary product made from ore. Other materials... There's more of a quality degradation, particularly when it comes to plastics, uh, beverage-grade bottles. Um, if they're contaminated with any 
other type of plastic other than polyethylene terephthalate PET, uh, then they have to be you know, what people have co- uh, coined as downcycled into some lower quality product and eventually it won't be recyclable at all. Uh, so it really depends on the, the material and how good the processes are in collecting, cleaning those materials to keep them separated from things that might uh, contaminate them. Which areas could actually benefit from a model like this? Which sectors? It depends on on what you mean by benefit. Benefit in terms of the economy, yeah, I, I think having more materials that are more available and more cheaply available because now, you know, to get metals, we don't have to go and dig up ore and go through the very expensive process of refining that ore into usable material. Now we can just go and collect it post-consumer. You know, it's a lot easier than primary production, easier both in expense and, for instance, energy cost. But if your question is, are there areas where it's better for the environment? Well, that's where we start have to li- we have to start looking a little deeper under the hood, a little more carefully to figure out what are the underlying effects of engaging in circular economy activities uh, on an economic level that have implications for the environment. And this is where we start getting into to issues of of rebound. So, what is rebound? So, my co-author on on the paper that you uh, we're talking about, and I came up with the idea as an analogy to energy efficiency rebound. So energy efficiency rebound is an effect that's been studied for several decades and is pretty well understood. And basically what it says is as technologies become more efficient, as we move from, say, incandescent light bulbs to compact fluorescent light bulbs to LEDs, the lighting becomes more efficient. It now requires less energy to achieve the same amount of lighting. And because it requires less energy to achieve the same amount of lighting, it also becomes cheaper to achieve the same amount of lighting. You now, your electricity bill has gone down to achieve the same lighting in your house, for instance. Now, the rebound effect says that consumers, being rational consumers in a free market economy, respond to changes in price like that. And the way that they respond to changes in price is that as things become cheaper, we tend to use more of them. Right? So as lighting becomes more efficient and therefore cheaper to use, we don't use the same amount of lighting that we used before. We actually use more lighting. Right? We put LEDs on our refrigerator and we put LEDs inside the oven or we put LEDs in our shoes or we – my favorite example is the soda fountain, right? The, the classic soda fountain used to be just a simple plastic lever that you push your cup against and by a mechanical process, soda comes out into your cup. And now in many places, for instance, at my university, we have these touchscreen LED computers that serve your soda, right? So you, you put your cup down and then you select what kind of soda you want in it. We've basically taken a non-electronic process and replaced it with an electronic process. One of the reasons that we can do that is because the lighting and also all of the processing power that goes into that system has become so much cheaper. That's the analogy from energy efficiency rebound. The way it plays out in the circular economy is similar, right? One of the things that recycling does is makes materials cheaper. If companies no longer have to go and mine ore and ship ore 
and then refine it and then ship metals. Instead, if companies can collect already refined metal, clean it up, melt it down, that saves a lot of energy, which is great for the environment, right? For instance, with aluminum, it requires about 10 times less energy to recycle aluminum than it does to create it from bauxite. But because it's cheaper to get to the marketplace, we're also going to use more of it. If you imagine what happens to a remanufactured phone, right? A remanufactured phone is always going to be sold at a lower cost, lower price to the consumer uh, than a new phone. So the hope environmentally is that that refurbished phone is sold instead of a new phone. But if we think carefully about, you know, where are these phones going and who's buying them, likely it's the case that these cheaper refurbished phones are not being bought instead of new phones. They're being bought by people whose alternative was no phone at all. For the most part, if you're buying a refurbished phone, it's because you can't afford a new phone. So what refurbishing has done has is allowed a lot more people to have access to phones, particularly in developing nations. And while that's great from a social aspect that these people now have connectivity, from an environmental aspect, what we've done is we've taken all the, the existing economy of new phones and we've added to it additional impacts of a refurbished phone economy. And by the way, now we're charging all those refurbished phones instead of no phone at all. So we've got additional energy impacts of, uh, of on the use phase as well. Is it also a world with potentially greater inequity in that if we were to imagine something like Apple, could they ultimately mm. capitalize on the waste in which they make to then resell and generate greater profits? It's possible. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that so far. For instance, it's a very different set of players who make primary metals and those who collect and recycle metals at the end of life. Uh, and the, the end of life recycling side of that industry is much more disaggregated. For instance, with, with primary metals, there's a couple handfuls of companies that are involved with the ore extraction and refining process whereas there are many thousands of small companies that are in control of the recycling and reprocessing side of it. I, I don't know that creating waste management conglomerates is something that I see as, as one of the greatest threats of all of this, but I think underlying it is this notion that the circular economy will make us more money, right? We'll, we'll increase the economic throughput of the world. Some companies, for instance, some consulting companies, which I won't name, advise their clients that they should engage in the circular economy, but do so in a way that doesn't cannibalize their existing sales. So they say, go do the circular economy because it sounds nice and consumers like it and lawmakers like it and everyone's on board but do so in a way that doesn't cannibalize your existing sales. Now, if you think about that, the whole promise of the circular economy is that we can recycle instead of making things new, that we can refurbish instead of making things new. And if these consulting groups are going out and telling companies to do the circular economy and recycle and refurbish 
used goods, but do so in a way that doesn't impact their existing sales, then the circular economy won't live up to its promise. We'll have this whole new set of circular economy activities creating environmental impact, and we will still have the whole set of primary production activities going on and creating even greater impact. So to the extent that the circular economy is meant to boost economies, that's meant to boost development, it almost necessarily stands at odds with its stated environmental goals. Does that make sense? It does, because my follow-up question would be, is it this term that's being used to ultimately greenwash growth? Yeah. Well, partly. I, th- I think when, when you say it's being used to greenwash growth, I think you're ascribing a level of intentionality to the process that I don't think is quite fair because I think most people who engage with the circular economy, people who push for circular economy programs, for instance, in, in the UK or in, in the EU, I think they're generally well-meaning. I don't think they have this, this sort of insidious intention of greenwashing capitalism or the economy. I think most people who do this sort of circular economy work genuinely think that moving to a circular economy will make things better than a linear economy. But to the extent that you know what I have come to believe is true, which is that the more we do certain circular economic activities like recycling and refurbishment, the extent that those activities make things cheaper and therefore we use more of them and we have more gadgets that require more electricity and just we're just producing more things and we're not at the same time taking care of any of the primary production. If that's all true, then the circular economy could actually make things much worse. And the real danger of that is that we will have gotten there thinking we were making things better. Right. I believe that most people truly believe that recycling is going to make the world a greener place, not just a green washed place, but actually a greener place. The problem is not enough people realize that there is a real danger to things like recycling in that they make things cheaper and then we use more of them. So when you say greenwash to the extent that that is an intention or something that is trying to pull the wool over consumers' eyes. I think some players are doing that, uh, but I think a lot of well-meaning folks have sort of accepted the circular economy dogma without enough skepticism. And that's going to lead us down a path that could make things substantially worse while we're thinking they're making them better. Do you think that the circular economy model will be followed through, or do you think it's going to die? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I I suspect that it will succeed. Uh, and uh, the reason I suspect it will succeed is that it follows a capitalist idea. Again, from a purely economic standpoint, it makes a lot of sense because why are we going to, quote unquote, waste the materials in, in a landfill when we could reuse them and get more economic value out of them? And it seems to me that what drives global politics and what drives corporate and consumer behavior is this capitalist uh, set of motives that says, okay, if things are cheaper for us, if we can have more of them, if we can make more money doing it, uh, then we're going to invest significant time and effort and lobbying power and public funding to make that happen. 
and I do think that there's a lot of economic promise with the circular economy because it opens up a whole new set of activities that we can capitalize on. You know, I think if we were having this conversation 100 years ago, we'd say, well, these are all really good things. Why don't we do this? This sounds, this sounds excellent. It's only now that we're starting to realize that cheap goods and more consumption have a real impact on our natural world. And just to be clear, I, I'm unwilling to draw a distinction between a circular economy and a free market capitalist one. I think they are the exact same thing. I think the circular economy is the latest manifestation of a free market capitalist world. They follow the same methods. They're after the same things. It's just a, a circular economy is a, is a brilliant way to make more money. Uh, and it's also at its core, it's billed as, or I guess not at its core, right? On the surface, it's also billed as a, a way to reduce our environmental impacts. Uh, but it absolutely follows a free market capitalist set of ideals. I, when I look at what's going on now, particularly in the EU, it seems to me that the primary motivation is economic development. The EU's circular economy plans, they always talk about, okay, we're going to spend X billions of euros on incentivizing private investment in the circular economy, and it's expected to return 30X euros in GDP. And it's always talked about as, oh, it's going to make us so much more wealthy. It's going to raise our shared prosperity and all this. The environmental aspect of it is important, too, I think, to most circular economists. But the first bullet point in all these proposals is always how much more money it's going to create. Trevor Zink, Assistant Professor of Management from Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Sustainability is made in the 2SER Studios, which is in Sydney, based on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on iTunes. Just search for Think Sustainability. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company.